You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Josh here. Just a real quick note to let you know that this show was recorded before the Dolphins traded Raekwon McMillan and a 2021 fifth round draft pick to the Las Vegas Raiders in exchange for a fourth round pick in 2021. So just a quick note to recognize that when you hear us mention Raekwon McMillan in the show, it was because we didn't realize that he had been traded yet. Also, just a quick moment to send our thoughts and condolences to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the entire Fitzpatrick family on the passing of his mother, which was reported uh, early Saturday afternoon. Okay, that's all from here. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Aaron, here we are, uh, just, just a little bit north of two weeks shy of the start of the 2020 NFL season, and I think if we're being completely honest, we have no idea what we're dealing with when it comes to the Miami Dolphins this season. Like we've It's got- weird. I, I, I don't even feel like there's football coming into it. When you said we're two weeks away from regular season football, it's like, really? Because it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, well, I think... I think the phrase "it's weird" applies to a lot right now. Yes, I, like across across the board. I think there's just a lot that you could just look at it and go, "It's weird." But I, you know, particularly in football terms, it, it really feels very strange. I mean, I don't I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks on HBO. I, I always. I always enjoy watching Hard Knocks, and I've been watching this season, and it's just kind of, you know, it's weird watching Hard Knocks because the, it, you, normally you it goes by sort of the preseason games each week, and and now you've got them trying to like find other ways to come up with compelling storylines, and it's kind of a slow season of Hard Knocks in that regard, and it, so it's just kind of, everything is just sort of up in the air and, and feels. Kind of weird. I guess one of the things that is is good is that it certainly feels like there's gonna be football, so that's good. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we, you and I, on this show, were having a conversation about how it really we were having a hard time seeing how football season was going to happen. But the NFL has put their plan together. They put the sort of COVID testing and implemented protocols and they made everything happen and it looks like you know things are working and there are not widespread infections at least not at this point knock on wood and it looks like we're going to be able to have some football which is exciting the NFL as we sort of talked about uh, in an earlier episode has not put a mandate out there that says that Teams will have to play in empty stadiums or teams can have fans. They've sort of left it to all the teams to do their own thing. And we've been hearing some fans, some teams are saying that at least for the first several weeks, they're not going to have any fans in their stadium and then they might open things up. Other teams are saying, we're going to go ahead and have some fans. And among those teams is your Miami Dolphins. Um, Hard Rock Stadium, they were able to come to a deal with local authorities to allow 13,000 people into the stadium for Miami Hurricanes and Miami Dolphins football games. I mean, the good news is for the Hurricanes is they only get about 13,000 people in that stadium for a Hurricanes game. Hey, yo. I mean, you know, so it won't look that different for them. And, uh, you know, for the Dolphins, 
listen, the jokes are, oh, you know, all the fans came dressed as orange seats or teal seats or whatever it is. But, um, you know, I, the, the Dolphins have they are always well supported and it's going to be tough to, that there's only 13,000 people in the stadium. But, I mean, apparently the, the good news is that there are 13,000 people that are willing to brave the elements and go to a Dolphins game to, to cheer on the team. So when the Dolphins start playing games at home in Hard Rock Stadium, they will have fans there. So that's so that's exciting. But again, there's going to be a lot of empty seats and it's just going to be kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be the weirdest season that we've ever seen, and that's not surprising. And obviously, we should just all be thankful that we're even going to get a season. Um, but it, it really begs the question. I mean, you, like you mentioned before, we really have no idea what this team is going to look like because a lot of these, you know, we normally have these preseason games and we we judge a lot of what we see based off of how these players look against other players that we know, like real barometers. But when you have a, a young team that doesn't have a bunch of veteran talent, that's got a bunch of roster turnover, and they're going up against each other, when one guy does well, is it that guy you know, shining because he's looking really good or is he shining because his opponent is looking really bad? And since they're going up against the same team that could be good or it could be bad, it it could, it could go either way. Um, one thing that I found interesting is, uh, they've got this scrimmage. We're recording this on Friday evening and they've got a scrimmage on Saturday evening. So that might've already taken place by the time that the, that you're listening to this, but, Brian Flores kind of teased that we might see live tackling for the first time uh, in this training camp. He said, maybe we're going to try it. Maybe we're not. <laughs> so we don't know. But that that's another piece of it is such a huge part of the game and a huge part of what Brian Flores preaches is tackling fundamentals. And these guys aren't tackling in the preseason, and then they're just going to get thrown into the regular season against the Patriots, no less, and just be expected to tackle. (laughs) I mean, yes, they're professional football players. They've all tackled before, but you need those reps. You need those real reps, at least a little bit, uh, in my eyes, before you get into the season to truly be ready. But maybe it'll just be one of those things where nobody in the league is ready. And so that first, those first couple of weeks of the regular season are just more unpredictable than ever because teams simply don't know who they are yet, uh, because nobody has had live tackling. But I think that teams are probably going to decide at a certain point that at least you know, maybe once a week, it's worth it to actually kind of scrimmage against each other and and have some live tackling, even if that means you're putting uh, players at risk of injury. Because let's face it, players would be normally at far more risk of injury right now playing actual preseason games than they would be in a controlled environment of practice. Yeah, and that's something that I think, you know, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense that Teams are going to want to get out there and at least do some kind of hitting, um, you know, because like we said, this is a very weird preseason. It's very different than what we've seen before. Now, on the other side of the coin, you know, you've had a lot of people lobbying for no preseason games. A lot of a lot of players have been lobbying over the last several years for there to be no preseason games anyway, or fewer, or, or, or reduced or fewer. to two. Right, and so. You know, there there must be plans in place and ways to evaluate these players. And obviously, these coaches have been around the block. They, they know what they're looking for. They can see the instincts in their players. They can, they can see when they're looking at the depth of each position, which guys are going to make the cut and which guys aren't just based on on how they approach practice and and where their individual skills are. And they can see the sort of nuances that maybe the, the more untrained eye can't see. 
so they can sort of make valuations. But there is still a certain amount of gelling that these teams are going to need to do. I've always been a, a strong proponent of the theory that it takes at least four weeks of regular season football for an NFL team to really sort of figure out who it is. And, you know, that's sort of a best case scenario. It takes four weeks. Sometimes it takes longer than that. In the case of the 2019 Dolphins, it took them much longer than four weeks. It took them almost half the season before they figured out who they were as a team. Um, But in, in other cases, you know, I think it really does take four, five, six weeks sometimes. And this year, it's going to take even longer than that. And you're going to be having these teams playing in a different environment than what they're used to, uh, significantly fewer fans, in some cases, no fans at all. And as we've seen in more so in the NBA and the NHL, like there is, there's no such, when there's no home field or home ice or home court advantage, um, weird things can happen. And when obviously there are a lot of other elements involved with how the NBA and NHL are, are moving forward with their seasons with players having to be in a bubble, but you know, and all of that plays into it as well. But you know, it, the, the fans really do make a big difference. And I think that it'll be interesting to see how the home field advantage or lack thereof plays out um, over these first few weeks of the regular season. Now, the one advantage that the Dolphins have is that whether they're fans in the stadium or not, it's still going to be 90 plus degrees on game day in South Florida in those first few weeks of the season. And that is an advantage that the Dolphins are going to have having having practiced and played in that kind of weather for several weeks of training camp beforehand and other teams are having to come in and, and get acclimated in just a couple of days. But it, it, it is what it is. And like we said, it's kind of, you know, what, 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 a, what better way to follow up a weird preseason than having a weird regular season? Because it's 2020 after all, and literally everything is weird. So on this episode of the same old Dolphin show, what we're going to do is sort of bounce around the team. We're going to go sort of position group by position group and sort of give an update on where things stand in camp, at least to our understanding, based on on what we've read and 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 what we've seen. And we'll sort of, you know, talk, just sort of touch base on each position and get a sense of where the Dolphins are. And then we're going to come back next week and sort of try to get you a full season preview where we go week by week, our famous week by week uh, show, and we'll maybe make some predictions for the season. And then uh, the following week, we'll be back with our first or with our week one preview as the Dolphins prepare to head to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. So uh, that's what we're going to do here on the same old Dolphin Show. But before we go any further, a reminder, if you haven't already, to make sure that you are following me at Amplified to Rock. Make sure you are following Aaron at Aaron the Brain. That's A-A-Ron the Brain. And follow the show, of course, at Same Old Dolphins. We've picked up a a few new followers here over the past uh, few weeks of the preseason here. And we thank everybody for joining us. We are always happy to have you listening to every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show, which is, of course, available on the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Uh, The Dolphin or the Same Old Dolphin Show is available on DolphinsTalk.com, so we hope that you will visit DolphinsTalk.com every single day. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. We are going to take a very, 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 very quick commercial break, and then we will be back to start bouncing around the position groups for your 2020 Miami Dolphins. Be right back. Miami Dolphins fans, be sure to purchase the new book, 100 Things Dolphins Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die at DolphinsTalk.com. Use the promo code DolphinsTalk, all one word, between now and November 1st to save 25% off the price. Written by Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald and with a foreword written by NFL Hall of Famer and Miami Dolphins legend Jason Taylor, Relive the greatest moments in the history of the Miami Dolphins. Learn interesting tidbits you may not have known and discover activities 
all Dolphins fans must partake in at some point in their life. Head over to DolphinsTalk.com right now to purchase your copy of 100 Things Dolphins Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die today. Remember to use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK to save 25% off the price. That promo code again is all one word, DOLPHINSTALK, D-O-L-P-H-I-N-S-T-A-L-K. Thanks for supporting DolphinsTalk.com. Go Dolphins! And we are back here on the same old Dolphin show, and we are going to bounce around from position group to position group. And if we're going to do this, really, the the place, the position with the most intrigue on this Miami Dolphins team heading into 2020 is, of course, the quarterback position. And I think it's the only place to start. So that's where we're going to go. And really, the reports out of camp, at least early on, were that neither Josh Rosen nor Tua Tagovailoa looked particularly good in that first week of training camp. And there was a time where Ryan Fitzpatrick had to miss a day of camp for for personal reasons. And so Rosen and Tagovailoa got more reps with the, with the ones and the results were not good. And it, it caused a lot of panic in, in some circles of Dolphins Twitter and the Dolphins fan universe. And my, my thought was, well, you know, Rosen is more or less what he's going to be. So it wasn't that surprising to me. And and it's not surprising to me that Tua, you know, maybe looked a little rough considering that he had been off of his feet for so long. He had been dealing with that injury for so long. And now this is the first time that he's dealing with the NFL game. Granted, he's dealing with it in, in, in a practice setting, but it's still, you know, it, it's going to take some time to adjust to the speed of of the professional game. So it wasn't that surprising to me that he, to hear that he was having some struggles early on. What was certainly much more encouraging to hear was how both he and Rosen sort of bounced back from that from that rough first week and have looked a lot better in the second week of camp. And so that was certainly good to hear because it, it feels like adjustments were made and, and growth is happening, which is really what you need at this stage is you just need Tua to, to soak things up and to grow and to learn and to understand how to make the right decisions as an NFL quarterback, how to make the right play. We know the skill is there. We know he has the intangibles. The, the question is, is he going to be able to learn to play this position at the professional level? And hearing that he is growing and looking much better in the second week of camp gives you lots of reasons to be optimistic. But I guess the biggest takeaway at, at this point anyway is that if you were one of those folks that had um, sort of any hope that Tuatunga Vailoa was going to be your week one starter for the Miami Dolphins. Put those thoughts away. It's not going to happen. Barring some sort of injury in the next week and a half to Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be your opening day starter for the Miami Dolphins because just based on all of the understanding and all of the evidence that we have at this point in time, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback that gives the Miami Dolphins the best chance to win right now. So as the as the Dolphins march into the regular season, Fitzpatrick is the guy, but he is as we as we thought he would be, he is proving to be a very good mentor both to Josh Rosen and Tua in these early days of camp. So Brain, I, I would say reasons to be optimistic, right? From the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, as far as what Tua has looked like, uh it depends who you ask. Uh, if you ask Omar Kelly, he's looked bad to average. If you ask Joe Shad, he's looked amazing. If you ask Travis Wingfield, uh, he's looked careful, but he's had some, some like wow plays and then other plays where, you know, he looks like a rookie. Um, we don't really know, but, uh, for people who thought that he, maybe he was going to start week one, I don't think that was ever going to be the case, but, any chance of that happening uh, really would have depended on the pandemic being far more under control and this being a normal training camp preseason uh, with, you know, only 14 padded practices uh, that, that you get and um, no preseason games. 
that there's just no way that any rookie quarterback, unless he has just a clear, just a clear edge over uh, whoever the incumbent quarterback is going to be, uh, there's just no way that that was going to happen uh, for Tua this se- coming into this season. And I don't think that was the plan anyway, because this was Fitz's team. Fitz is here uh, this year. He he knows the offense. They brought in Chan Gailey. Uh, the only person here, I, I think, on the roster on the offensive side of the ball that has any experience with Chan Gailey is Ryan Fitzpatrick. So... I mean, Tua has enough to learn just, you know, how to be a professional. And he seems to be grasping all of those things really well. Uh, the getting, getting to know your teammates, getting his nose in the playbook, all of that. Uh, and then just learning the speed of the game. Uh, that's something that's going to come. But in addition to that, trying to learn an offense, uh, when your main competition to start at quarterback is one of the brightest minds at the position, uh, a what, 15-year vet, and he's the only guy on the offense that knows the system and knows the language of the system. So you need your quarterback to teach, to be the leader of of that group on offense. You're going to want the guy that's got the knowledge and the experience right now. Tua will get his shot eventually. And it will probably be this season, but there is no need to rush him because like we said, Fitzpatrick did a fine job last year in the second half of the season after he regained his starting job, he was easily a top 10 quarterback in the league. So if you've got that kind of, if you're getting that kind of quarterback play out of him, then Tua could stand to learn a lot and gain a lot just, just sitting and watching and doing his work on the side and uh, you know, just working hard and practicing in the classroom. And that's what he's going to do. But as far as how he's looked, you know, it, it's just so hard to say because, it, again, it really just depends who you, who you ask uh, and, and what guys are looking for. I mean, if, if one guy is watching practice and they're gauging the quarterback strictly on no barometer, like, I'm expecting the quarterback to be playing at the highest level of quarterbacking and I'm starting the grading there, then yeah, two is going to look awful for the first couple of weeks of camp. It's his first couple of weeks of training camp. Every quarterback is going to look awful. Uh, if that's, if that's what your barometer is. But if he's comparing, but if you're looking at it and you're saying, well, I've watched some rookie quarterbacks come through here and some young quarterbacks and Josh Rosen last year, and I'm comparing him to that. Well, then maybe you look at it and you say, oh, this guy's got a lot of talent. He's a lot better than those guys. Now, that said, Josh Rosen, I think, is a really interesting case here. I really felt like the plan, had this been a normal preseason training camp, was going to be give Rosen as much run out there in the preseason. And if he flashes and plays really well, um, maybe he ups his trade value and you can get something for him. But this is, like we said, a very weird training camp in preseason. And the fact that Rosen seems to be taking steps forward, and remember, he's still very young, and this was a guy with a very talented arm, and a guy that was thought so highly of several teams that he was a top 10 pick in the draft, thought highly enough by the Dolphins that they traded a second and fifth round pick for the guy. And yes, I know they still got great value uh, as far as the contract, but Giving up a second and a fifth is a lot. They obviously saw potential in him to potentially be a franchise quarterback. And Rosen doing that in this, the weirdest of all circumstances, this might be the kind of year. Well, I, I actually, I'm not even going to say might. This is the kind of year where you're going to keep three quarterbacks on the roster. Because at any time, one of those guys could end up coming down with COVID and ends up on the list you definitely are going to want that third quarterback in there if they're a valuable commodity. And if Rosen is truly playing as well as they say that he is, and they're not just blowing smoke and being Dolphins homers, then I think there's a lot of value in keeping Josh Rosen as the third quarterback on the roster. 
Yeah, I like the idea of keeping Rosen around too, especially just listening to him. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He understands the position that he's in. He, he doesn't seem to be holding a grudge about it. So in that regard, I think he's a, he's a good guy to have around. And, and quite frankly, you know, while he hasn't been great, he's, he's certainly better than the Jake Rudocks and, and David Faleses of the world. I mean, what it, what it comes down to is can you get anything for him? If you're, if you're, gun, if you're not going to keep, uh, you know, because if, if you don't value the third quarterback because he probably won't get in if things go reasonably well, um, the idea is the, the idea to hold on to him is maybe you can get some sort of draft capital back for him. Um, or maybe, or maybe you simply say, well, next year, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be gone. So we're just holding on to Rosen and he'll be our backup plan for next year. Yeah. And that's not a bad, that's not a bad, bad plan either. And I, I can certainly see that playing out. Um, you know, obviously I think all of us would have enjoyed having the opportunity to see Rosen and Tua battle it out in preseason games. But I, I, I think it would be a surprise if we didn't get to see a little bit of, of Josh Rosen at some point this season as well. So, like, you know, and let's put this out there just right at the beginning, just so that, you know, we are not coming into this expecting the Dolphins to be um, a playoff contender or a team that is going to be making any sort of deep run this year. I mean, granted, it's a weird year, so who knows what could <laughs> it's happen. It's a weird year, But yeah. just based on when you when you look at the roster and you just look at what the Dolphins have, um, there's, there's certainly a step below some of these better teams in this league. Um, so it would surprise me. And listen, we all know that this is another building year anyway for the Dolphins, and, and the goal for this organization as far as when they were a team that was ready to compete, it's next year. So this year is about taking a step forward. So the Dolphins finished last year. What was their record at the end of the year? Five and 11. Five and 11. So if the Dolphins end this season, six and 10, seven and nine, eight and eight, you know, some of those records that, you know, the Dolphins, we've, the Dolphins have finished with, you know, right with regularity, you know, that would be a pretty good result for this team this year as they're, as they're moving things forward. And obviously, you know, with any, it's any given Sunday, things can go your team's way. And so maybe there's a way that this team ends better than that. But Listen, we're not expecting this team to make a deep run this year. And with that being the case, then I think there is going to be room to use some of these games this season for the Dolphins to take a look and and take stock of what they have in that quarterback room and, you know, try to show Josh Rosen off when the opportunity arises. Um, Because, you know, if they can get something for him, that the window for being able to get something for him is is closing probably in the next year or two and so if there's an opportunity to get him out there and see what he can do so be it it's just going to end up having to be in the regular season so that's the quarterback situation for your Miami Dolphins listen we'll get to a but I, I personally wouldn't be upset if he didn't play at all this year quite frankly I would love to know what we have with Tua but I'm also totally fine with the idea of letting him sit and and could just continue to learn and and appreciate the speed of the game without having to be out there exposed to it. I think it just depends on how the the quarterback position is played. If if it's Patrick is playing really well and the team is winning games, then, then I see no need to make a change uh, and let, let Tua learn. And if that's the, so if that's the case, then yeah, I've got no problem with it. But if it's Patrick is playing poorly, if it's Patrick gets hurt, then like by all means, uh, you know, we don't need to sit around and wait uh, to see if it's uh, to see Tua if Tua is ready. But again, I think it's just got to be he's got to earn it. He, he, you know, it's got to be Brian Flores's decision. It can't just be one of these things where uh, he's thrown in there by default because he was highly drafted and the team is isn't performing well. He, he you got to you got to have him ready. To go, it can't be something where uh, Fitzpatrick is playing poorly and the team is being pressured to make a move 
but but what we don't see is that two is playing really poorly in practice or having trouble picking certain things up and we just throw them out there because then you could absolutely ruin the kid. Yeah, and that's not something any of us are interested in doing. This is the guy that needs to be our franchise quarterback going forward. I'll say this, though. If that's happening, that's not a good sign for a top five pick. No, not at all. So hopefully we won't have to we won't have to deal with that kind of issue. Um, we got to move on to the next position. We'll be we'll have plenty of time to talk about quarterback over the course of this season. I guarantee it. Um, so let's move to the next position. This position's got a little news this week. It's the running back position. Uh, listen, the writing had to be on the wall for Kalen Balage this offseason when the Miami Dolphins brought in Jordan Howard and Matt Breida to play the running back position. And then as camp went on, you started to hear really great things about Miles Gaskin and the Dolphins really seem, and Brian Flores really seemed to like Patrick Laird and oh, Kalen Balage, old Kalen Garbage, as we call him on the same old Dolphin show, has was going to be released. But before it was made official, our old pal Adam Gase comes calling and the Jets trade a conditional late round draft pick for to the Dolphins for Kalen Balage. So the Dolphins actually get something for him. And they ship him off. So Kalen Balage is off to to the Meadowlands where he will, I'm sure, end up out-touching Le'Veon Bell because Adam Gase is a moron. And, you know, so be it. So the Dolphins running back room now is Jordan Howard, Matt Breida. That's going to be your one-two punch. And then you're also going to have Miles Gaskin and Patrick Laird as change of pace backs and... Listen, it's you really hope that Gaskin can really turn it up and and be that really good third option in the backfield because we've seen Patrick Laird. We like him. He's a fun guy. He plays the game hard. But I don't know that he's, uh, you know, a super option at running back. Um, But, you know, Gaskin can be that third option back there and be able to give you that sort of extra little bit of depth in the running back room. But I feel like the running back running back is a is a pretty decent and pretty clear position for the Dolphins as far as how that's going to look this season. I mean, I think it's going to be a running back by committee. Uh, I think Howard's going to get the first crack of the early down work. Breida is going to be the third down back. Uh, and on passing downs and, you know, Maybe he gets some early down work, but Miles Gaskin is really the guy that is the story of camp right now as far as that running back position, because this was a guy that was a seventh round pick last year, and we what we mentioned prior to opening day last season how we thought it was it was telling that the Dolphins kept six running backs on the roster going into the first week of the season and they didn't even want to risk putting Miles Gaskin or Patrick Laird on the practice squad and Patrick Laird last year in training camp and preseason outplayed Gaskin and that's why Laird was ahead of him on the depth chart but the Dolphins still liked Gaskin enough not just because they used a seventh round pick on him, but they still liked him enough to keep him away from the practice squad, keep him on the active roster the entire season. And now in training camp, it's it's almost every practice you're hearing about Miles Gaskin breaking a big run. And so if that's the case, uh, and and this guy just forces his way onto the field, then he's going to get some snaps. And, you know, he, he may be your Dolphins tailback of the future. If, I mean, it, I don't want to just go overboard on it because, again, he's a seventh-round pick that didn't play much at all last year, and I can't gauge everything off of just training camp in this weird training camp. But it is exciting. I think they clearly like him, and he's clearly jumped to the next level where he's uh, – where he's climbing up the depth chart. He, he's ahead of Patrick Laird. He obviously passed Kalen Balaj. And now he's, he's right on the heels of Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. 
yeah, it's it's good to have a little bit of competition there, and it's glad I'm glad that he's turning up in this preseason because, it, like I said, it's going to give us that little bit of extra depth in the backfield that I think is going to be helpful and necessary as this team moves forward. So uh, no need to, or I mean, do you have any parting words for Kalen Garbage before we move to the receivers? I wish him the best of luck in dealing with Adam Gase. <laughs> Good. And uh, yeah, um, I, look, I, I hope that he does well against everybody that is not the Miami Dolphins. Fair enough. Um, and bl- plus we're getting a conditional late round pick. So the better he does, uh, the better the pick is that we get back. There we go. So that's Kalen Bellage on his merry way. Let's go to receiver. This is um, a position where, gosh, I'm really excited to see Preston Williams and Devontae Parker on the field together for for a, hopefully for a full season. Because when those two guys were together, they were dynamite. Devontae, finally, the switch flipped last year. The reports in training camp say that things are still going really well and that he is. it seems like every day he's making a big play. Uh, Preston Williams looking really good in camp as well. They've got him out there. He seems to be fully recovered from his injury. I don't like the fact that I hear that they're putting him out there on punt returns because why are we going to do that to this guy? But... I like the fact that it sounds like he's he's healing well and he's going to be ready to be an impact player for this team. And, you know, it's interesting looking at the depth of this position because this was a position that heading into the season before, you know, COVID and everything, it sounded like this was going to be Devontae Parker and Preston Williams and Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns. And then Wilson and Hearns opt out. So that opens the door for the Isaiah Fords of the world. And it sounds like we're here, we're that a player that's getting a lot of use is Malcolm Perry. It seems like the Dolphins are really spending a lot of time with Malcolm Perry and, and feels like, and, and granted, again, without seeing any games, it's, it's hard to really know, but it feels like. Malcolm Perry is a guy that has a chance to make this football team, um, whether it's on special teams and then coming in to be one of those sort of gimmicky offensive players, um, or whether they're they're you know they're going to find some use for him somewhere. But it seems like they're they're getting some play out of him here in this preseason, and I think that's pretty encouraging. From what I can tell, from what I've been reading. Obviously, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Jakeem Grant, those guys are safe. It sounds to me like the fourth receiver job has been locked up by Isaiah Ford. He's he's making the roster. He came on strong at the end of last year, put up some really impressive numbers over the, la- over the Dolphins' last few games. Uh, and then the, he has been all, – all I'm reading in camp is that this guy is open – Every single play, he's constantly getting reps. He's one of the harder working guys as far as just uh, knowing the playbook and being in the classroom, just like one of the headier players on the entire roster. Uh, one of the coaches, I, I saw a quote uh, from from last week, said that they think Isaiah Ford is going to be a coach one day. Uh, and so I think he's got that fourth receiver job locked up. I agree with you uh, totally on Malcolm Perry. We're talking again about a a guy that the Dolphins picked in the seventh round, and he's flashing at camp. Uh, When they drafted him and when you were trying to see where the fit was, whether he was going to be a wide receiver or running back, I thought maybe this is is a practice squad guy, but, you know, uh, I, I think it's the same thing. They're going to be the same thing as last year with a guy like Gaskin. This was an upside pick. It was a guy that they clearly had a plan for. Uh, I think he fits perfectly at wide receiver and what he's showing in camp, uh, his savviness, his, his, uh, his aptitude for picking up the job as a as a wide receiver, I, I I guess he's familiar with what the wide receiver needs to do from his time as a quarterback at Navy. Uh, he, I I think this guy's absolutely making the roster. The question is, do the Dolphins keep a sixth receiver? And if they keep a sixth receiver, 
who is that sixth receiver, uh, Chester Rogers, who they brought in uh, when I, I they before they started uh, padded practice, but after training camp had already begun, has experience uh, in this league uh, as a return man. I think that it might make a lot of sense to get a guy like that that's kind of a return specialist and save your Jakeem Grants and Preston Wilson or Preston Williams, I did it again, uh, from getting those reps. Uh, I think if we're going to keep a six receiver, I think he is the guy, but I think also you got the dark horse, the rookie from Arkansas State, Kirk Merritt, uh, who has flashed a lot of athletic ability and uh, he could be an upside play as well or a guy that could end up on the practice squad. Let's move to the offensive line here. This is where we actually had a question from um, Austin Dobbins. He wants you to predict what the offensive line is going to look like. Are you in a position yet where you think you can comfortably do that, Brain? I mean, I can make a prediction right now as far as what it what it will be like, as long as I reserve the right to to change my mind in a week. <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there you go. Hedge, hedge your bets, there, fella. There you. But go. if I, but in all honesty, um, one of the things that I've been the most frustrated about, uh, or the frustrated, or the most frustrated with in reading the camp reports is that I don't feel like I've gotten a lot of information about how the offensive line has looked. Um, my biggest take, aside from a couple of guys, my biggest takeaways have been when I'm hearing, you know, Devon Godshaw blew through the line, uh, through the interior of the line a couple times today at practice. And then he did it again on the next day. And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't say too much for the interior of the offensive line. Uh, but then I hear that Eric Flowers has been an absolute monster at left guard and Ted Karras has been great in pass protection. Those seem to be the only two spots. And I think those were the two spots coming into camp, coming into the offseason or coming out of the draft and free agency. I think those were the two spots that you felt pretty confident Eric Flowers is going to start at left guard because he played well there last year, and that was what got him the big payday. And Ted Karras, uh, you know, coming over from New England, you had to figure he was going to start at center. And it seems like those two guys are having good camps, and I'm not hearing a lot about the other guys. But that said, what I'm thinking is if Flowers is indeed playing left guard, then I believe at left tackle, because the fact that we haven't gotten a lot of news out out of it, I would say, well, that means that nobody's really shining at that position. And if nobody's really shining at that position or nobody's standing out ahead of each other or, you know, as one being better than the other, then I would say, well, then you give it to the first round pick. You give it to Austin Jackson and you, and you see what he can do. And if he, if he fails in regular season action, then, you know, you sit him down. So I think that Austin Jackson is going to start at left tackle. I think Eric Flowers is going to start at left guard. I think Ted Karras is going to start at center. The right side of the line, I believe Jesse Davis is going to start at one spot or another. I believe that they really like they they really want to give Robert Hunt the opportunity to win the right tackle position. And so I think they're putting him at right tackle, and we're going to see a battle between Solomon Kinley and Jesse Davis at right guard. I believe ultimately that Jesse Davis is going to win that, but I think they're going to give Solomon Kinley every opportunity to win it. And But you, you could easily make the case that if those guys are even remotely close – that you give the job to Solomon Kinley and then Jesse Davis is kind of your your swing tackle, but he could still be that even at right guard. And then if he needs to go play tackle, you bring Kinley in. But I guess, gun to my head, the, the five guys, it's going to be Jackson, Flowers, Karras, Davis, and Hunt. I think the one thing that we know for certain on that offensive line is that it sounds like Julian Davenport's time with this Miami Dolphins football team is rapidly coming to an end. 
Uh, he did not have a very good season last year, and he's just it sound by all reports it sounds like he's just continuing to be a turnstile, and uh, especially when you're talking about needing to protect um, either a 15 year vet or your number five overall draft pick potential franchise quarterback. That's not going to fly. So it sounds like uh, it sounds like. The Dolphins and Julian Davenport have have reached the end of the road to quote to quote boys to men. And see, I I don't know. I mean, I I would like to say that that's the case, but because of our lack of depth at the tackle position, I don't really know that we can afford to do that unless we're willing to move Eric Flowers from guard back out to left tackle, because we don't know. If Austin Jackson can play left tackle, we don't know if Robert Hunt can play left tackle or right tackle. We know that Jesse Davis is not a very good tackle, and we know that just that that uh, Julian Davenport is not a very good tackle. But those are the tackles on the roster. I I don't know. I mean, I guess Isaiah Prince is still there. Is he still there, or did we did we cut him? I guess he's not there anymore. So uh, I guess he was waived. So I, I don't know. I, I think Davenport's got a chance to make the roster simply because he can play tackle, sort of. And the, the team is probably going to keep at least eight offensive linemen. So if you if you say that the top six are Jackson, Flowers, Karras, uh, Kindley, Davis, and Hunt in whatever order, and you assume that Michael Dieter gets the job uh, as being kind of your backup guard slash center, then really it's coming down to Danny Isadora, Shaq Calhoun, and Julian Davenport uh, to see who that eighth offensive lineman is. And they could keep nine. As, as ever with the Miami Dolphins, the offensive line remains a concern and uh, has a lot of question marks. And that's one thing that we're not going to get any kind of solid answers on until the season actually begins. Let's move to the other side of the football where there is a lot of some promising things happening on the defensive side of the ball for the Miami Dolphins, particularly on the defensive line where word out of camp is that uh, Raekwon Davis is making quite an impression on his first camp at the Miami Dolphins. The look, I lo- I'm telling you, this defense is going to be good. I I just feel it. I I think it might take them a few weeks to 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 really gel. Like you said, four to six weeks for them to really kind of find out who they are. But there is talent on this side of the football, and there is a bit of cohesiveness on this side of the football because of the guys that they brought in in Brian Flores, bringing in a Van Noy and bringing in an Alandon Roberts guys that have played together and have played under Brian Flores and his defense. They come in, join with linebackers, Raquan McMillan and Jerome Baker. And that's not even uh, counting uh, uh, guys like uh, Grugier Hill, who they brought in as an undrafted free agent, and Andrew Van Ginkle, who was a fourth-round pick a year ago, who they they really like in coverage and in pass rushing as a sub-package linebacker. Uh, I think there's depth at that linebacker position. It, it sounds to me like uh, Jerome Baker and Kyle Van Noy are going to be your every-down linebackers. Alandon Roberts and Raquan McMillan are going to be kind of rundown specialists. And then you've got guys like, you know, you got a Van Ginkle who can come off the edge, Grugier Hill who can come off the edge. Those are your kind of like coverage linebackers that come in and passing downs. It seems like we have depth and a variety of depth where we've got multiple guys that can fulfill the same role. So you've got competition for every single role at that linebacker position. Uh, it's one of my favorite position groups, arguably my favorite position group on this roster. And that says something since we've got a hell of, since we're paying a lot of money, uh, to our two starting, uh, cornerbacks. And then we, and then we spent an extra first round pick on another cornerback. 
So my question for you is if there's an area on this defense, and we're I guess we're just sort of talking about the defense as a whole right now, as opposed to going unit by unit, is there an area on this defense that you, you see as the sort of weak link? I think the weak link on this defense, there's I have questions about safety. I'm hearing great things about Bobby McCain in camp, and I like that, and I, I believe it, because Bobby McCain is one of those guys that really has taken a step forward just about every year that he's been in the league and seemed to really embrace that deep safety position, that free safety position, the position change that he went through last year once we you know, got into training camp, once, certainly once we traded away uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, he's really embraced it. But can he be a difference maker back there? I don't know. And then I believe Eric Rowe, uh, Eric Rowe will, will fill his role very well. He did it very well last year. Everything that I'm hearing, ever, all the things that he's saying, he's approaching it the same way. He's approaching it the right way. The, they, I think they found a niche for him. That third safety, uh, because Brian Flores likes to have three safeties, is it going to be Kayvon Frazier? Is it going to be Brandon Jones? I think they've got competition back there, and they'll figure out a way to make it serviceable. But particularly the depth at the safety position, which is such an important position for Brian Flores' defense, I think that's probably the weakest link. People are going to say, well, you know, edge rusher is a huge problem for this team. But if you look at what the Patriots have done, and we're let's face it, you know, Brian Flores came over from the Patriots and he was their defensive coordinator. And we're building this thing modeled after a lot of the the cornerstones of what they've done with their roster over their historic run. Historically, the Patriots have not been this team that relies on one or two guys to get double digit sacks to kind of carry things. The, the guys are, the pressure has come through the scheme with different guys stepping up in different roles. And I think that's going to be the case. I think we have enough talented bodies, whether it's Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson, who we spent a lot of money to bring in. But those two guys, by all accounts, have been tearing it up at camp. We're hearing that. Shaq Lawson and Christian Wilkins have this great chemistry working with Marion Hobby in their stunts and the games that they're playing and they're working well off of each other. You, you drafted Raekwon Davis. We already talked about, uh, Kyle Van Noy, uh, coming off the side. He's going to be used as a blitzer a lot. I don't know if Sam McGuavin is going to make this team, but Sam McGuavin was fourth among linebackers last year in quarterback pressures. So, I mean, he could have a role as a blitzing linebacker on this roster. If not, Andrew Van Ginkle. I think we could certainly use an extra talented extra edge rusher or two, but I think we're serviceable there. I think the biggest issue right now on this defense is depth on the back end. Uh, when you're talking about who's your, who's your fourth corner, who's your third and fourth safety. That kind of that kind of depth, but by and large, I I think this defense is going to be a top ten defense. I can't, I personally can't wait to see him. And we know Flores is a defensive minded guy, so it really is exciting to see this part of the team starting to come together. So I'm looking forward to. I'm really I'm looking forward to football. I gotta be honest with you, I I really am. Um, you know. College football is going to be greatly reduced this season. Uh, we know that the Big Ten and Pac-12 are not playing. And the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are going to try to make things happen, uh, as well as the Power Six Conference, the American Athletic Conference, is also going to be making things happen this season. Uh, but it's going to be reduced college football so it's it's going to be a very different kind of vibe on Saturday because you're used to Saturday and it's like wall-to-wall football all day long. And it feels like it's going to be a little bit different this year. Um, but I'm really excited, really excited for the NFL to come back. And I am hopeful that they will be able to 
operate in a way that everybody can be safe and everybody can be healthy. And that all remains to be seen. It's, it's one thing when you've got players at home and players working hard at camp. It's a very different thing when you get into a sort of regular season schedule and, you know, you're not out there, you know, really having to bust it all day long like you're sort of doing in training camp, which is a very intense period where, you know, these players are more inclined to just go home and relax. You know, once things kind of calm down a little bit, maybe, you know, maybe that's the point where we start to see problems with infections and, you know, players are having to travel and and there's issues that way. I hope that that doesn't happen. I am very much hopeful that we'll be able to get a com- some some kind of complete football season in here. And the biggest thing is I, I, I hope that the Dolphins are able to take a big step forward this year. It sounds like they're certainly going to be able to do that defensively. Will they be able to do that on the offensive side of the ball? Only time will tell. But all that being said, there's still another week and a half or just, just under a week and a half left of camp before they make their final roster cuts and they begin the preparations for week one at New England. Uh, Brain, any any parting shots here from you before we wrap? I, it was kind of funny. I was really thinking we were going to go position by position on the defensive side of the ball, and then you just you just rolled it all into one yeah, well, quick I, promo there. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really excited about this defense. I think the offense is very much a work in progress. I think it's going to be below average. I think let let Fitz do what he can do with the offense to make it as serviceable as he can. There's there's some exciting pieces, but that offensive line being such a work in progress, I think that that's always going to drag down the product the production of the offense. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope they get it together and that offensive line is great because if that offensive line is great, then I'm going to go completely against what you were saying uh, kind of before we got into this, uh, when we were talking about the quarterbacks and say, if this offensive line is great, we can absolutely battle for a playoff spot. Absolutely. Because I think the defense is going to be good. And if the offensive line is good, I think there's enough talent on the offense, on the offensive side of the ball with receivers and running backs and then serviceable quarterback play that I think we could be at very, at the very least average offensively. And if you're average offensively and you have a very good defense, you're a playoff team in this league. Um, that said, I think that offensive line is still very much a work in progress, but the defense I think will carry this team. And I think the defense will give this team an opportunity to be playing meaningful football games in December. Uh, and it's not just, uh, the guys that I mentioned, but your, when your third quarterback, uh, a first round pick and Noah Igbenogany is is flashing and wowing so many people at camp. And then your fourth corner is Nick Needham, who was really a revelation last year. And he's doing all of those same things again. Uh, you have to feel pretty good about that position. And so if you're, if, if, if you're looking at the defense as a whole and you're saying, well, what are the weaknesses of your defense? And you're saying, I don't know, the, the fifth corner, the third and fourth safety, the sixth linebacker, that's a pretty darn good defense. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm fired up. I'm I'm really Oh, I, I got another guy that 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 I did want to mention uh who has been having a good camp and is going to make this roster. He he finished the year on on the Dolphins last year. Zach Seiler, uh sort of a Defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid. He's going to make this roster. Also, the rookie Jason Strobridge. Uh, he's made some plays, and his motor and versatility, uh, the reasons that they drafted him where they did, uh, he's certainly going to make the roster and be a rotational player for him. So uh, that when you're looking more at that interior defensive line, th- there's talent there too. I think it... If you, if you had to say, you had to throw in a question mark on the defensive, on the defensive line, um, I would say maybe the depth on the interior of the defensive line. But 
they're just going to play so multiple. They're going to have three-man fronts and four-man fronts and two-man fronts. I, th- I just think there's enough bodies there, uh, whether it's Christian Wilkins and Raekwon Davis and Devon Godshaw playing on the inside. You could throw Zach Seiler on the inside. If you're playing four, you know, in a four-man front and you're going after the quarterback, Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba can, can tee up. And they're excellent pass rushers. Uh, I just think, <laughs> I'm telling you, be fired up, man. Be fired up. It's really interesting in, in in light of the fact that this is a really weird sort of completely unprecedented preseason situation. The difference that we feel going into this season compared to the difference that we felt going into last season. It's, it's because of the way that the, look, this team was 0-7 last year. Right. And they won five of the last nine games of the season. Right. So for more than half of the season... This was a team that was above 500. Now, I know the 5 and 11 is 5 and 11. The whole Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. I get that. And I'm by no means trying to say that the Dolphins should have been a playoff team last year. But this was through the first four weeks of last season. This was one of the worst. This was arguably the worst team in the history of the NFL. People were talking about how they were going to have the worst point differential in NFL history. Uh, people were accusing Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins of tanking games. They were saying this team is easily going to get the number one pick. They were going to go 0 and 16, and they didn't just not do that. They had a winning record over the last nine games of the season, and that was in spite of massive injuries. It was. It was the first time that you saw, you know, in a, in a while anyway, the first time that we had seen in a while that this was a team that had a plan and that had direction. And, <laughs> well, and that's what it continues to feel like at this point. This seems, uh, it feels like this is a team with a plan that has direction and they seem to be moving in the right direction. And granted, there's a full season ahead and things can go off the rails at any moment. But right now, this the our beloved Miami Dolphins that have been among the most mediocre of all mediocre teams have are it seemed to be on a path to something better than that. Yes. And, and that I, is exciting. Yes. And again, look, not gonna overblow it because we've been here before. Uh, we've been here with Sperano. Uh, we've been here with, you know, it kind of reminds me of that year that Nick Saban, Nick Saban's first year here where the team started off, I think three and seven, and we won the last six games of the season and we just barely missed the playoffs, but we finished nine and seven. And so there was all this momentum going into the next year. And then we brought in Dante Culpepper and, and people were picking the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl or, or to win the AFC. And, and, uh, that next season was a, was a dumpster fire. And then Nick Saban was, was gone on a jet to Tuscaloosa. So. We, we've been here before where we've seen, we've been excited about a team mo- seemingly moving in the right direction under a new coach. Uh, again, Adam Gase as well, but I'm not ready to, I, I need to see more from Brian Flores, but I'll tell you what I like about Brian Flores when they asked him the question about momentum coming from one year to the next. His response was, there really isn't any. It's it's a whole new season. It's a whole new team. And sure, we could feel good about the progress, but it really doesn't make a difference. And I like that because it's it's keeping you grounded. It's keeping his players grounded. And it's keeping them focused on the task at hand so that nobody's getting ahead of themselves this team still has a lot of work to do, and that's every time you hear Brian Flores, you hear him talking about there's a long way to go. That there's a long way to go. They did we did some good things, we did some bad things. There's a long way to go. He's got a very Bill Belichick, Andy Reid way of handling the media. I think he's a little bit more personable than those guys, maybe a little bit more honest and comes a, a, comes across a lot more relatable than those guys. But at the same time. He doesn't give you much, uh, and he just he he's very much a one day at a time. Focus on the task at hand. We got a long way to go, coach speak kind of guy. 
I dig it. I dig it very much. And I think that that is going to bring us to the end of this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. So, Brain, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? One more time, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And maybe you'll actually, uh, since football season is ramping up here, maybe we'll actually see you tweet a little bit. You might. Maybe. Make sure you give him a follow at Aaron the Brain. I'll tell you this much. If you if you tweet questions at me, I'll definitely answer. Yeah, the brain loves to engage. The, the brain loves to get into uh, those, those nice meaty conversations on the Twitter machine. So make sure you you follow him. He, we, we need to get his follower count up. I think he's in like the 200s. We need to get him up. So everybody, we need to get we need to get the brain's follower count up. So everybody follow Aaron the Brain on Twitter. Then follow me at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. And make sure you visit DolphinsTalk.com every single day. Your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. Download, rate, review, and subscribe to the Same Old Dolphins show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere where you can get your podcasts. If there is a podcast platform that you would like us to be on and we are not currently there, let me know. Let us know. Tweet at us. We'll do everything that we can to get onto that platform. And that, I think, is going to wrap us up. So we'll be back next week to go week by week through the Dolphins 2020 schedule to figure out where this team is going to end up this season. We'll make some maybe awards predictions. I don't know. We'll see. And uh, and then we'll be back after that for a week one preview. If you can believe it, football season is nearly upon us. If you've got fantasy drafts coming up here in the next week or two, good luck. Draft smart, draft well. And yeah, as always, take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!